we realize this is his wife. She has Ehlers-Danlos syndrome that has progressively taken her from the super active woman in a matter of years, put her into a wheelchair, and they don't know if she's going to make it another year or two. So he starts doing ninja workouts to get himself strong enough to care for his wife. His wife sees Ninja Warriors coming on and she goes, you have to apply. He's wow. the final runner of the night. Now, what he says is the only reason I want to do this is to put a smile on my wife's face. And so he wow. goes through the course, he gets, he hits a buzzer. Now here's where it gets crazy. Two years later, she's a competitor on the show. Two steps in, she falls oh my God. and we're crestfall. And she comes up with a smile and they go, oh my God, were you disappointed? She goes, are you kidding me? The biggest victory of my life has been being able to stand on that start line. That's the show where it's not about hitting the buzzer. It's about the obstacles you overcome before you get there. Welcome to another week of Level Up. I am Matt Rogers. Thank you so much for joining us. And Eli, as always, is here with me, uh, co-producer and engineer. How That's are you it. doing, brother? Dude, I'm good. It's, it was a busy weekend, but it's good to be back. And it was a busy weekend. I was in New Orleans. How was New it? Orleans, I don't know how to say it. It was fun. Do you remember? Yeah, I was just doing productions. I wasn't like... You were a good boy? Yeah, oh yeah. You went without the wife and kids, obviously? Yep. Was it one of those things when you got home and she was like, oh my God, and then you know... you. you it's good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. You happen to so you have a huge <laughs> smile on your face today. Look at it. I mean, Eli no. had a long weekend. <laughs> I mean, it's not that long. But. Good for you. Good yeah. for I'm pumped How too, was, man. You have a good weekend, bro. I'm branded. Dude, look at it's you. It's a big day. Look at you, man. Big it's day happening. I got to give a shout out to our partners, Proper Creative. They are an LA-based company from development to content. Um, from, from basically from the, the beginning to the end, whether it's the, uh, digital strategies, e-commerce, they provide a full service or a la carte services for all businesses that, um, that sell direct to consumers. So I'm pumped because this company, they have a powerhouse marketing team. Um, I wrote down a couple things here that they have. They uh, consist of graphic designers, web developers, uh, photographers, uh, video graphics, market analysis, digital marketing, and of course, social media experts. Now, I know the creator of this company, my buddy, Danian Rios. We go back a long way. He, he's a good guy. And he he's one of the hardest workers I've ever met. In fact, one of my first jobs out of college or it is my first job out of college was with uh him and his brother is their company so i got my first job with this guy and now we're partnering and he's making uh our content or he's making our our brand they look awesome they do look good yeah. i got more stuff coming too so nice so shout out to our partners at proper creative uh i would definitely hit them up follow them on social media on instagram i follow them because they spell proper cool because they are an LA-based company. Is it the proper way to spell proper? It's the proper way to spell proper. It's P-R-O-P-R, -R, bro. Proper creative. P-R-O-P-R, -R, creative. Follow them on Instagram and give a shout-out to Level Up. And, uh, you know, you might get something special for mentioning Level Up. Ooh. Because he likes me. Yeah. He's my friend. There you go. Danian Rios, proper creative. I love you guys. So today I have another friend on the show. And... Uh, I know him as my good friend, 
Matt Eisman, but you might know him as the four-time Emmy-nominated host of American Ninja Warrior. The Boston Globe actually said that Matt Eisman is the best part of American Ninja Warrior. He's also an Emmy winner, you know, from back in the day, beyond Clean House. And um, you know what else? He was the last winner of Celebrity Apprentice. So he won and basically dropped the mic on the show because there couldn't be a better winner than the one and only. My friend in the house on Level Up today, Matt Eisman. I love you. Are you here? Matt Rogers, I'm here. And that's such a good way of phrasing it that I dropped the mic on the show and they're like, we can't, there's no, we can't top it. We cannot top the you winner. Can't. It wasn't that it became a political football. I got punted around. <laughs> it was, it was that I just, I was the best winner, which I, that was actually how I phrased it too, my friend. So thank you. And congrats. On proper clothing, because I, 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 a little spoiler alert, yeah. you, you had a post out about that sweatshirt, and I said, order me two, because it looks fantastic, and it looks comfortable, and if they, if they can make them big enough to fit you, then you know they can do wonders with clothing. <laughs> well, here's what I was thinking. I originally said that I would just send you some, but I'm waiting to see if you get nominated or win another Emmy, because if you do for Ninja Warrior, I'm going to probably charge you double. Is that cool? Listen, when people, I, I, I love when people send me swag, but when it's quality stuff and it's a friend, I absolutely buy because I want to support. Yeah, dude, this is quality stuff, man. I'm I'm super proud that uh, that proper you leveled up. partner. I did. Oh, see, I you did it. That's a that's a title. I see you leveled up. See, this is what it's all about. And I I like to do things the right way, and I like partnering with the right people. So I'm proud that uh, I'm proud that Proper Creative is our partner. I'm proud that they're making our stuff and. The biggest thing I'm always proud of, too, on this show is our guests. And here you are. One of my well, favorite people I, Before on the I brag about me and how awesome I am, I do want to give you a lot of credit. That is one of the great things about Matthew Rogers is anytime oh, you meet him. somebody, they are now a friend with you for life. And Danny and Rios is a, is a prime example. But I know, you know, you've been reaching out to some people to get them on the show. And these were people, a lot of whom you met in the work context. But I'm telling you, once you meet Matt Rogers... You're, you are friends with Matt Rogers. And I'm not going to spoil it, but some of the people you have coming on this show, as awesome as I am, uh, you've got some amazing guests. And, and really, it's a credit to you and what you're doing, but more a credit to who you are and just how you live your life, brother. It's people want to be around Matt Rogers. Dude, that's awesome. That's all I could ask for. I, you make me want to cry right now, for real. <laughs> Dude, how do you not love Eisman, Eli? Seriously. And, and then, so the flip side is it's kind of like, you know, what you put out there, you attract, if you attract, you know, if you put out negativity, you're going to attract negative people. If you put out positive, you're going to attract positive people. And Eisman, when you were on Celebrity Apprentice, first of all, we were already huge fans of that show. And then when I came home and I told my boys, Braden Mason, who actually like Matt Eisman more than they like their own dad, Matt Rogers, by the way, <laughs> dude, we were so freaking pumped that you made the show. And I told Terry, my wife, I'm like, He's, he's going to win, dude. He's going to win because he's got the three key factors. He's got the likability factor, so people will automatically like him. Secondly, he's got the work ethic of a freaking ant. Like, he can work, outwork anyone. By the way, let's clarify. That doesn't mean it's small. It means ants work hard. I just want <laughs> people to not think that, oh, he just... He just sits around like a tiny little work ethic. No, ants can like, what, bench press like 10,000 their body weight or something like that? Ants are the freaking hardest workers ever. And lastly, which was the most important, dude, Eisman is freaking smart. Like, he's just smart. He's, he's book smart and street smart. So I'm like, he knows 
how to delegate. He knows how to incorporate people. And he also knows when they're like, yeah, we got to, you know, that's probably not the best thing. And he can not in a malicious way, but he knows like the weak from the strong and like, Hey, this one's got to go. And this one can stay and hit. And he won. It was you and boy George at the end. And I was nervous because boy George did a good job too, but you freaking beat him, dude. How was that? It was one of them. It was definitely the most fun and the hardest I've worked in Hollywood, which I know isn't saying much. But what I loved about the show um, was, listen, I, I've hosted reality. We've been, a, we, both of us have been a part of reality. You, you've already had your chance. You know, we, it's so different when you compete, like on American Idol. You know what it's like when you're up there with all of America watching the stress. I hadn't experienced that. So it was such <laughs> a different experience for me to be on that other side uh, where I'm not the host. I'm the one who could fall on his face, who could, you know, be fired, terminated, right. and more importantly, who could end his career with something stupid. But the, going into it, I think, even though I knew there was there is a risk because if something goes wrong, it, it can have big implications outside of the show. But... But for me, I said, I, I know I know, I will work hard and you just have to, at a certain point, it's betting on yourself. It's, it's saying, I'm confident enough that I can do well and not step on a landmine that I will take this risk. And I think it was kind of a metaphor for so many things in life where you see there's there are risks and rewards. And for me, the, but obviously the biggest tip, the thing that tipped it in, in favor of going on the show was that Arnold Schwarzenegger was hosting, who is- right. What a, I mean, like literally his posters on my childhood bedroom. And, and this is the craziest thing. So obviously uh, not a lot of people watch the show or know that I did in the end triumph and raise a million dollars for my charity, yeah. the Arthritis Foundation. But for me, what was the coolest part was now I did, did I get to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. We become friends and we we've traveled the world. In fact, in July, I'm going to be going to Austria to host the Austrian, uh, the Schwarzenegger Climate Initiative, the Austrian World Summit. I just, I'm going to be in the uh, the Austrian, uh, their, their, their castle. I'm going to meet the, the prime minister out there. I may have the terming wrong, which is so embarrassing. I realize I got to figure out what he's called. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's really amazing, like the experiences that I've gotten because of that. And it's, it's one of those reminders as we speak of leveling up that sometimes you have these decisions in life where it's like, man, do I, do I step off this cliff mm-hmm. and, and maybe fall or, or do I fly? And, and sometimes you just got to take that leap. And I'm so glad I did that show um, because the, the friendships I've made, the opportunities I've had, the things I've gotten to do because of it and the money I've been able to raise for charity, not just for the Arthritis Foundation, but right. with Arnold Schwarzenegger, we raised $5 million in a night in his backyard. I, w- I got to be the auctioneer. And, so you know, we I, we were selling tank rides with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which I would have been on, except they each that? went for a quarter million dollars. I was just going to say, so people pay a quarter of a million dollars to go on a tank ride with Schwarzenegger? Yes. Yeah. Who, who, like, who are some of these people that are buying? They're, that they're, 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 wait, you know, listen, they're, they're going to, it's a poker night at his house. That's a $25,000 buy-in for charity. Um, so you have some heavy hitters there and yeah. then I get to be the MC and hang around and, you know, we we're having tequila and we're playing cards and it is, but it's just an incredible night. It's these opportunities when you get to be around super successful people. And it's so inspiring when you're around that because you feel, even if you don't, they don't give you the practical tips of how to start a business or what decisions they made, what you get is the energy. Because as you talked about, there is an energy, I think, around successful people, what they're putting out, what they're bringing. And that's one of the things I think about Schwarzenegger that I love is he surrounds himself with people who are smarter, who are, who are, 
better in business and better in certain areas, and he learns from them. But he brings this charisma and and this absolute. He will not take no for an answer when he has a vision. And it's when you see this guy and how he he just bends people to his will in such a good way of this is going to be done. Do you want to get on board? And it seems impossible at the time. But when you see what he's done it, it, and then you start to say, what can I do in my life with that? So, I mean, let me ask you about you, because one thing that I've noticed about you, we've been friends now, I want to say about six or seven years. And one, I mean, there's so many attributes about you, but one thing that I've always admired about you is you can take a small opportunity and you know how to turn it into something bigger. People who are listening, they might be in a job that they hate. They might be in a relationship that they don't like. They might be going to, a you know, work, working around people that they don't want to be around. You've been in that situation before, you know, most of us have. How do you go through that and capitalize off of that and make it what you want it to be? Because you've been great at that. You, you know, you've been hired, you've been fired, you've had raises, you've had demotions, but you've always found a way to use that as a stepping stone to make it what you want it to be. How do you do that? I, I think, again, it comes down to saying, to just ultimately betting on yourself and saying that, and, 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 and having that foresight or that patience to say, you know, this thing right here, this thing, this small thing in front of me may not be my, my dream job. But, but I'm a firm believer of nothing happens sitting on your couch waiting for people to discover you. No matter how talented you are, there are people out there with just about as much talent working their asses off, getting in front of people. And the thing I've learned is you don't know what that big opportunity is going to be right. or how it's going to present itself. So I, I, the very first show I did uh, right here, screenplay was <laughs> a, a fear factor knockoff on E and we did 13 episodes. And after about three episodes, it was clear the show wasn't going anywhere that it was dead in the water. And it was, it was canceled after the first season, but that show, because I was on there because I really worked hard because people were, were like, this guy's really professional. Uh, he's nice to work with. He, he's, he's a good host it then got me an opportunity to go on to clean house. And even in clean house, they brought me in as a two episode fill in. But once I got in, once I got on set and I clicked with people and I was pleasant to work with, they ended up putting me as the permanent go-to guy replacement. I did five and a half years. We did uh, over a hundred yeah, episodes of clean house. We did 70 episodes of a spinoff. We won an Emmy, but that eventually led to sports soup. And that eventually led to the job I have now Ninja warrior. So, that first show that failed led to me being employed for the past 17 years now and has, you know, and that's how I got on apprentice. All these opportunities sprang from that first opportunity, but it was not the opportunity that was successful, but it introduced me to the people who gave me those chances that have changed my life. So when you go into something small, even Hallmark, you know, on Hallmark, I was making pennies compared right. to what I was making on Ninja or these other shows. But what I knew is I, 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 we got to work with Woody Frazier, who was a TV legend yep. who knew more about uh, entertainment than and forgotten more than most people will ever know. And the other thing was the people there. And I, I look at you and Kim Douglas and Debbie Matinopoulos and Orly Shani, uh, how many people we became friends with for life. And so for me, going to that show was such joy. It was such, I looked at it as this is, uh, uh, I'm going to 
graduate school here in, in hosting and entertainment and, and how to interact and how to be a part of an ensemble on how to make people feel comfortable, how to make guests feel comfortable, how to bring the right. best out of them. There was so much learning going on there. And it, it just led to these this amazing network of friends that we still have today of people we're texting with on a daily basis. So you don't know where your opportunities are going to come from. But when you go into each one saying, I'm going to give everything I have because I know what I'm doing now will be seen by people. And this person you're working next to or the person who's your PA, they might soon become the executive producer of the biggest show. And they might remember, hey, I liked working with this person like you with Danny and Rios that now you guys are partnered together after having worked together because he saw something in you and there's some belief he has in what you're doing. And I think that's one of those things where it's hard sometimes to feel when we're looking six inches in front of us to say, that's okay. This little thing may not be something now, but it could be in a year or even right. in 10 years, things will come back uh, where an opportunity where, where your positive energy will come back in the future. So I always look at it as you're laying that groundwork. And if nothing else, it's experience because you learn by doing in, in just about any business, certainly in the business of entertainment. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they get so short-sighted. They don't see that, like whether they're going on a sales presentation or whether it's like a first date or whatever, like they, they kind of push their chip, you know, they kind of cancel it out like, ah, oh, 20 minutes. Oh, this isn't going well. It's not that big of a deal. And they dismiss these little opportunities that could lead to bigger things. One of the things that you and I used to do all the time when we were on home and family, you had Ninja Warrior going on. I had um, Discovery Channel, Gold Rush going on. And we would laugh because we, you know, we were making 10 times more on the other show, but we were like, we were so happy on yeah. home and family and Hallmark that were like, dude, we, we would pay to continue to go on that show because we were so fulfilled in what we were doing. And that's like the yeah. key. It's like when you find something you love, money doesn't even really matter, but the money will come because you're passionate yes. about what you're yes. doing, right? That's, I think, one of the key things is so often we measure it as how much are they paying me? And we think that's the only value that can be derived from something. But there is satisfaction. And then there's also connections and opportunity. And that can be future money if you're really looking at that bottom line. But I think, I think really, you know, for me, obviously, I had a stable career when I was a doctor. I had a career that I, I knew I could have worked till I wanted to hang up a stethoscope, made a very good living, and always had job security. But what was missing was really the passion and the joy. And ultimately, my decision was, I would rather take a swing and go see if I can find something that ignites my heart, that I truly love doing. Um, because I, I just, I, I felt like it's, it's really hard to feel like you're just punching a clock and God bless you. You know, sometimes we right. do have to do that. Sometimes you have to do a job you don't like. That's why it's a job. But if you have an opportunity, if there is something where you feel I'm so passionate about this, if you can harness that passion, there are very often ways where you may, you may not have an idea, but if you're truly passionate about something and willing to work hard, usually you can find a way to make a, a living at it. And, and you'll also have so much joy doing what you love. So how did you know? Because what a lot of our listeners don't know is you really were a full-fledged doctor. You're on your way to becoming, or you are, Dr. Matt Eisman. When did you know, like, oh, crap, this is not what I want. I want to move to Hollywood and become a comedian. Like so, that really happened. I, I mean, I remember there was this, a particular moment where I knew I'd, I'd sensed some 
dissatisfaction or some some there was something that wasn't reconciling with this mm -hmm. because on paper it's the perfect job like i love sciences i was good with it i like people i like being around people i liked helping people it was a challenging career there were so many things about it that were perfect for me but you don't live your life on paper and as i was in medicine there was always something that just i, I just felt like i didn't belong mm -hmm. and it was really challenging now again had it been uh it had been being a banker i might have been able to say hey just suck it up you make you know this is going to be a solid future the problem was there was also this awesome responsibility where i'm like listen i might be okay being unhappy but i felt like i was betraying my patients trust because i felt i'm not being the wow. best doctor i can be for them and that that was what was killing me it was this feeling of I'm letting these people down. And there was like a lot of guilt and shame around it because I knew I'm not doing all I can. And it was a horrible feeling. And that was when I said, I can't live with that feeling, that guilt and shame of not really feel, feeling committed to this. And, and, you know, ultimately then you start to worry that you're going to make a mistake, that something's going to happen that's going to cost. And, and I couldn't live with that idea of, you know, really me being responsible for the loss right. of life because I just wasn't as passionate about it as I should be. So that's when I decided I have to figure something out. And I, I decided to take a year off. And it wasn't as though I knew comedy's it. I'm gonna go to Hollywood and that is it. Okay. I, I'd done stand-up probably 10 times at that point. I'd never envisioned a career in Hollywood, but my thought was, let me go out there, do something completely removed from anything I've done in my life and see if it, it honestly, I thought maybe I just need to grow up, that I will go out there and how old were you out of my system how old were you 28 28 and so i thought maybe this will be that time where i get you know just grow up and become a man and figure out okay i need to be dutiful instead i started doing stand-up in hollywood and within a matter of weeks i just felt like this is what i was meant to do now Mind you, I'm at open mics with like six people. It's not as though I'm performing right. at the Hollywood Bowl and getting <laughs> crowds and, you know, women are throwing their bras at me or something. It was, it was awful, but I just felt like relating to people in this way, trying to make them feel good in this way was what I felt I was meant to do. And so all of a sudden now I had this passion for, I've discovered something I really love. And I also now had a ticking clock of, but I still have my medical career. And they're like, you can have a year, maybe two, right. and we'll let you back into the program. So I'm like, I got a year or two to figure out if I can make this work. Otherwise, I got to go back because I can't just throw that away to go out here and, you know, end up just being like a barista with a medical degree sure. because I'm, I'm convinced something is going to happen. So I, I, I had this fire under me to, I was doing comedy six or seven days a week. I was trying to network. I got into commercials. I started making way more money than I was as a doctor. And really? I just created, oh my God. Well, cause as a resident, I, I'm in a doctor in training. I was huh. making about $30,000 $30, a year as a resident. Let me ask you this, just from a monetary standpoint, if you would have stayed down the doctor route and not taken a year off at that point, would you have been making more as a doctor or about the same or less? Oh, less. Wow. I mean, because okay. immediately my first year, I ended up getting four or five national commercials. So I was making a good six figure income. So I was already making, you know, 
What were your commercials? Were you like the Maytag man or oh, something? I was in a Pontiac ad. I was in a Tide commercial. I did an off a mosquito repellent commercial. All these random, I, I did a Lamisil athlete's foot commercial that ran for two okay. and a half years. I ended up becoming the voice of DirecTV. So I would have six national commercials going at oh, any one man. time. So I was getting mailbox money. You'd watch NFL games. And I'm like, hey, that's there, there I am again. And it was great because I'm like, I'm making a living. I'm doing what I love. And it kept growing. Let me and ask so you this. All I, the signs were saying, hey, you can keep doing this. You're headed in the right direction. People always ask me this. I'm not shy to talk about money. Um, when a, a, someone newer is starting out like that and you get something like that, DirecTV, like when you say mailbox money, are you talking about 20 grand a month? Or are you talking about like 100 grand a month? You're making over a million. You're like, what no, is it, it was, roughly? It was probably like... 25 to 30 a month. 30 Dang, that's bank, bro. And I mean, like I would go I in and do bank, a half bro. an hour of voiceover every few few months. And that, that went on for three years. So you're uh, making like 30. And, but then one day I turned the TV on, I saw a direct TV ad and it wasn't my voice. Oh, and it was gone. The worst. I and felt the same way. I was going to say, I felt the same way. I was the spokesperson for Bosley for like seven years. And all of a sudden I look at a commercial and it's Joey Fatone from NSYNC. And I'm like, oh no. And Wait, the check stopped bye, coming. Bye, bye. <laughs> oh man. But it, you know, it happened. And that's, that's, that's the trade off though. Medicine is a rock solid career. You know, you're always going to have a job. Hollywood is the complete opposite where we are living, you know, month to month, sometimes week to week based on the ratings. But so ultimately what you're really betting on isn't a show. It's not the career you're betting on yourself. You're betting that I will continue to find work that I've done it now for 20 years where I've been able to, to keep finding work. And, and, you know, as the caveat, I'm also socking money away. So when right. the, when the calls do dry up, you've, you've got a nest egg. I have always said this about you, and I'm not just saying this because you're my friend and I like you. I really, you know, call it a prophecy, if you will, Eli and Matt. I always say that Eisman's biggest days on TV are ahead of him, not behind him. I really think you haven't, like, you're, you're already big. I mean, dude, you got Emmys on the shelf. You have Emmy nominations in your back pocket. But I really think you're going to get even bigger over the next five and 10 years. Do you still feel that way? Or do you feel like, do. you know, I think, and, and that's, I, I think that's one of the secrets too, is I don't know if it's a, what, what I, I, I think, because I still feel like I have so much that I can do so much that I can offer that they have, we haven't scratched the surface on. And I've got some opportunities coming up. I'm going to be Akbar and I are going to be hosting a morning show for the Olympics. Obviously it was supposed to happen last year. We're hopeful. You're definitely hopeful the better dressed happen. one. Every time you get on there, by the way, if you haven't seen Matt Eisman, when he's on TV, the way he dresses, it's absolutely phenomenal. I watched you at the Olympics. I think it was three or four years ago, dude, your outfits were freaking money. So, yeah, and that's the other thing, too, I think, is I have no problem looking like a jackass. And you and I are very similar in that regard. Uh, I mean, mean, I remember when you were Tweedledum. That was such a good outfit. What do you mean? But, <laughs> you know, for the, so we were on with Megyn Kelly in New York, and we got to do the Today Show. So for the month of February, during the Winter Olympics, Akbar and I were out there, and I had Olympic onesies from, like, the Miracle team, the 1980 U.S. hockey team. So I had, good. you know, gold shoes. I had everything where I'm like, hey, this is an opportunity i think my personality is pretty sterling but i'm not gonna leave anything to chance i'm gonna do anything and everything whether it was 
I came in on, you know, cross-country roller skis where literally they put me on these things and I couldn't stand up. We, we were like half an hour. I couldn't move. And they're like, you got to get out the set. It's like, well, here we go. And you just make it work. You make it work. And if you fall, you make that work. But it's it's one of those things I think one of my best attributes is it's like I will I will always say yes. I will always go for it. I will always say, hey, let's let's do something big, let's do something funny, and let's make it fun. And it's one of those things where sometimes people think, you know, they may be laughing at me, but that's okay because I'm laughing too. I, right. I don't take myself that seriously. I want to have an awesome time. I always my approach whenever I'm doing something is I want to feel like I'm throwing a party and everyone's invited and we're gonna have the best time and, and, and you and I are very similar in that regard where we will tease we will bust chops but at the end of the day it's always with love we're never we never want to be mean we never want to make someone feel less than right. or feel like man I, I, that was funny but somebody you know someone feels bad after that I, we I always want it to be whether it's ninja whether it was you know going even going on apprentice or even in home and family when we weren't the stars when we had a segment it was always going to be like we are going to be a party and we're going to be bringing fun we want everyone to have a great time and you know i always think we, we whether it's greg jennings or greg grunberg or or Lori lachlan all these people who would come on the show we always wanted to make them feel comfortable wanted to totally. make them feel like hey we got you we got you on this. We're going to have a great time. People had so much fun on our segments, and we st- I still have those relationships these days. Let me ask you, going to American Ninja Warrior, when did you know that, oh, my gosh, this is the thing? Like, this is going to be big because now I drive around here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I drive by two uh, uh, they can't say American Ninja Warrior, but it says probably because of trademark, but it says Ninja Warrior Jump Park and Ninja Warrior Gymnastics. And I'm like, dude, that's my boy. He like made that show. And then even my daughter, Sam, she knows Matt on a personal level, but she watches him every day, not because she knows him, but because she's genuinely entertained by him and loves his voice, the way he announces. Like, dude, the Boston Globe said that Matt Eisman is the best part of American Ninja Warrior. That's why I subscribe to the Boston Globe. I love that publication. (laughs) When when did you know, like, dude, this is my thing? So the first season we did it, it, this was a show, it's based on a Japanese show called Sasuke, and it, it had been dubbed into English, and the dubbed version was very very much light. It was very lighthearted, very much kind of a parody. Like it was very much laughing at it, but it was so successful that G4 decided let's make our own version of this show. And they called it American Ninja Warrior. And I joined in season two and G4 is a network that no longer exists. It was a very niche uh, video gaming type network. Loved G4. And then Comcast owns G4. They buy NBC. We throw our season three, we put the finale on NBC and it won the night with no publicity, with no press. Oh. And, but still we're like, ah, it's still, you know, we still didn't know how it, cause it was, it started to become, we were splitting time between the two season six. We had one run that ended up going viral and it was Casey Catanzaro uh, getting up the warp wall and then completing a city finals course. And I remember going on Facebook and people sending me the video going, yep. you got to see this. This is amazing. And I think it ha- it ended up, I think it's in the hundreds of millions of views. But at the time, in a matter of like a month, it had 50 million views, which particularly back then was astronomical. Yeah. You, and and when gu- I saw, you and Gumnum style, man. That's what it was. Yeah. And when I saw... <laughs> 
the the breadth of people who was watching in the comments, I realized the thing this show did was because so many people are watching this having no idea what they're seeing. They're seeing this this tiny little fierce woman go through these obstacles, but not knowing is this hard, is this easy? But one of the things I think that helped was you could hear the excitement Akbar and I had. And I, I think like hosts are sometimes like the soundtrack in a movie kind of telling you, because we were losing our minds, which I think let people know, obviously this is impressive. But when I saw that, I saw people want to be inspired. Mm -hmm. And that's what this show does. And then we started, you know, when we started sharing stories of some of these people who were going on. And one of them that was a great one we had this past year was a woman with cystic fibrosis. And she ended up sending yeah. some stuff to your kids. But I you, and you, I saw the impact of this show for just that reason. Here's this woman battling this disease and then she can inspire people with CF like your children. And I saw that's the power of this show. And that's when I knew that's why this thing had legs. Who's been your favorite contestant of all time i get asked that all the time honestly there isn't one because it really is i mean particularly as someone who you know when i went on apprentice i ended up sharing my story about having rheumatoid arthritis and i saw the outpouring of it and and for me you know if i had to choose one of the best stories we got to tell and the way it happened there was a guy named michael stanger in this was season seven um we're in kansas city and it we're in qualifying now we usually run about 100 people in a night. That night, we'd run 149 people. Now, we were in the midst of, you know, Midwest thunderstorms. So we were getting a ton of people through, but it was raining. The sun is coming up, and they're like, this is our last runner at 149. And we're done, and we start going. Then all of a sudden, we hear, wait, you got to let this guy run. We're, okay, we're letting this guy run. <laughs> now, Akbar and I, we always get videos on the people, or we'll get a book. Right. on what their backstory is so we know what's going on. So we have some information on them. As this person's on the course, they hand us a sheet. So while he's going through the run, we're reading it too as we're watching his run. And there's a woman on the sidelines cheering him on. She's in a wheelchair. We start to read it. We realize this is his wife. She has Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, a connective tissue disorder that has progressively taken her from the super active woman in a matter of years, put her into a wheelchair, and they don't know if she's going to make it another year or two. Now, they have two kids. This guy had been a bit out of shape. He he quits his job and starts working out so he can carry his wife up the stairs. To And he starts getting fit. So he starts working out. He loved Ninja Warrior. So he starts doing ninja workouts to get himself strong enough to care for his wife. After a couple of years of this, his wife sees Ninja Warriors coming on and she goes, you have to apply. You have to go do this. Wow. So he goes to Kansas City, camps out for a month. She's like, I will get help. I want you to do this for you because I know this is going to make you happy and you deserve this. He had so, to camp out for a month to get on the show? He camped out for a month. He's wow. the final runner of the night. Now, what he says is, the only reason I want to do this is to put a smile on my wife's face. And so he wow. goes through the course. He gets, he hits a buzzer. The most improbable run, this story, and you cut to his wife in a wheelchair Tears pouring down her face with the biggest smile you've ever seen. That makes me want to cry right now, It was dude. just this moment of, oh, my God, what we got to witness, the, the struggles this family has been through, the real-life jeopardy they're facing, and, and to have this moment where they both had this ultimate joy where they just forgot about everything. Now, here's where it gets crazy. Over the next couple of years, she met some people through the show who started to radically change her therapy, took her on some experimental things, cut to 
two years later, she's a competitor on the show. How is that possible? Out of her wheelchair. She and she falls two steps in. She falls. Oh my God. And we're crestfallen. And she comes up with a smile and they go, Oh my God, were you disappointed? She goes, Are you kidding me? The biggest victory of my life has been being able to stand on that start line. I'm elated. There's nothing that could dim my joy. And I'm like, that's the show where it's not about hitting the buzzer. It's about the obstacles you overcome before you get there. And that, I mean, that, that story and those two people, Michael and Anadina Stanger, that was one of those ones when I'm like, my God, the power of this show to offer these opportunities and to share these stories and to then to actually bring into her life people who help change her life and her health. Dude, and that's the big, that's why I do this show and why we called it Level Up. Like, I hear stories like that. It's going to be impossible for me when all the cameras come down to just go sit on my couch and not do anything. Like, I mean, like, dude, what's your excuse? What is holding you back? I mean, you just hear a story of a lady that can't walk that stands on the start line of the biggest, you know, competition show on television. And I mean, for you, uh, take me a little bit deeper in, in Matt Eisman's life, but because people don't know, I mean, you're so electrifying on camera and so entertaining, but when the cameras come down beyond like you've, you've had your struggle, you said arthritis and you've also had some other medical struggles too. How, what did you go through and how'd you overcome that? Yeah. So, you know, ironically, the doctor who then becomes a comedian ends up becoming a patient. I, uh, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in 2002, and it's funny. I like I, I say that. I didn't. So, for those who don't know, rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease where my body attacks itself. It tends to localize in the joints, the small joints in the hands and feet, especially causes inflammation, but it causes joint destruction. And there's no cure. There's there's no cure, and there there are some treatments that have been effective. But so, you know, here I am. I'm in my early 30s, and I get told you here you have a chronic autoimmune disease, and there is no cure. And my reaction was I was relieved. And when, when you tell people that, they're shocked. They're like, how could you be relieved to hear that? And it's, it's right. because, well, you don't realize this, for the previous year and a half, my body had been falling apart. Like, I was having pain in my hands and feet, my neck, my back. I went from being in the best shape of my life to not being able to work out at all. I was sleeping 10 to 12, sometimes 13 hours a day. I gained, I think I, I went from like, 205 pounds to 200, almost 260. I, I, I was just, I mean, I was probably clinically depressed, even though I, I never got diagnosed. All of this, my life fell apart. I became this old man. So, and I was seeing doctors. They were, they tested for rheumatoid arthritis. They tested for everything. I was going to acupuncture. I was trying chiropractic. I was trying everything under the sun. Nothing made me better. So when they told me you have rheumatoid arthritis, I was relieved because I had an answer. And so often right. when you're facing health struggles or struggles in life, the hardest part is not knowing what you're up against. So once I found out I had rheumatoid arthritis and I knew this is what I have to face, then it became a lot easier to say, that, all right, I'm in the ring with, with this, let's, 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 go to, let's go to battle. And I was very fortunate that I responded to one of the new biologic treatments and it gave me my life back. But I think that's why I became a real advocate for the Arthritis Foundation and why I've, I've been very open about sharing my story is, particularly for young men, it, you don't see 
you don't see a lot of people openly living with this disease because, right. you know, even sick people very often, you may not know they have it. So I wanted to say, hey, I want people to know when you get diagnosed, it doesn't mean the end. It doesn't mean you can't do these things. I can be the host of one of the most active shows on TV, sure. even if I can't do any of the obstacles myself. <laughs> I really became adamant about sharing my story. And it's still a battle. I mean, my I have a lot of health issues from that that I still face. And then a few years later, I got a second blow. I, I end up having cancer. And I had cancer in the kidney. But oh the God. crazy thing was, I, I ended up having surgery and it took 10 years for them to pronounce me cured, but they caught it early because of the rheumatoid arthritis. And the doctor said, wow. you know, this tumor was on the back of my kidney. They were looking for something with the RA and they found that tumor very early. And so the doctor was like, you are lucky. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's not really a malignant. He goes, no, it's malignant. And this, but you probably wouldn't have known you had it until it had metastasized and your survival rate then would have dropped below 50%. And so I got it out and I've been okay, but it was only because of the rheumatoid arthritis that they caught it early. So rheumatoid arthritis really saved my life from cancer. And it's, it's, it's crazy to feel grateful for this disease um, because obviously, you know, I would love to be perfectly healthy and running around, but it, it is, it's a challenge. It's, you know, as you see your, your kids with cystic fibrosis and they're doing unbelievably well and you're seeing all these advances where they get to live hopefully these very full, rich lives and do really be essentially normal. And that's always the goal is that's why we share our stories is to inspire people to donate, to inspire people to share, to inspire people to fight so we can find those next breakthroughs. So other people may not have to go through what we went through. That's unbelievable. Let, let me ask you this about rheumatoid arthritis. Cause I, I went to high school with, with a kid that had it. And of course this was 20 years ago but his hands were really yeah. like shriveled and he wasn't even close to looking as good as you did. What's the difference? Is some cases just serious so or, my or is there better medicines like now? My troll's foot who's been playing hacky sack with a concrete ball. Honestly, my feet I, are I've pretty seen beat your, up. I've seen your feet. They don't look that bad. Like my I, toes are mangled. I've had surgeries. Like my, my toes have pins in them. But the difference is I had a very aggressive case of rheumatoid arthritis. My hands were starting to experience it. My feet were... The difference is the drug I'm on that I started in 2002 was only approved uh, in 1998. So okay. before that, the treatments were really primitive. They, they were a lot of heavy metals. There were a lot of medications that the side effects were as bad as the disease. And they really would not very often stop it. And so the reason my hands are normal is only because there was a brand new drug that had come out in 98 that stopped the disease in its tracks. I really haven't had much progression since then. The joints have been awesome. preserved. So I, I'm lucky and it's because people had in, invented this incredible drug. They'd gone through the studies and I was one of the beneficiaries, which I see how lucky I am, but a lot of people who are on it, eventually they, you, your body just tires of the drug and stops responding. You try other ones. There are a lot of people now who, despite these amazing drugs, they just don't work for them. And that's why, similar with cystic fibrosis, where I think the newest drug is 95%, but yep. that's not good enough. It's not right. good enough until you get 100%, because for those 5%, what good is that drug? You know, what good are these breakthroughs if it doesn't help them? So it's it's really tough where, where I, I know how lucky I am, because I would, you know, I, there's a, 
I might be in a wheelchair right now if I didn't have the medication I'm on based on the, the uh, really aggressive path that the disease was showing. So I know how lucky I am to be able to be mobile and, and I, I try not to take it for granted. Let me ask you this. For, for me, when I was going through, you know, we always hit low points and we talk about, you know, thank God for this person that that brought me out. For me, it was 2004, July of 2004. My mom passed away from a long battle with cancer. I had just finished the finale of American Idol. And it, I literally in 30 days, I went from the, the peak of the joy of my life to probably the most depressed I've ever been and for you what was your low point in life and did you surround yourself how important is it for you and for people to surround themselves with people who will pull them up elevate them get them out and and surrounding yourself with those people that encourage and inspire you and who is that for you yeah I think you know for for me the low point was those 18 months leading up to the diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, because I went from being, you know, a healthy 30 year old in great shape in Venice beach to this old man who struggled to get out of bed, who just felt like I didn't have energy for things. The thing that saved me was stand up comedy was that I was, you know, as probably depressed as I was that every night I was getting out to a comedy club. And I was around laughter. I was making people laugh. And I had my friends, PJ Walsh and Michael Batts, the two guys who, when we we all moved out September 1st, 1999, unbeknownst to each other, we met. We realized we were all doing comedy. We all had our similar value system. And we all had this drive. And we just were with each other night in and night out for probably five or six years. And they were the ones who kept saying, hey, we're, you know, we're going out, we're going to do comedy. And I knew they, they knew I was struggling. They obviously saw that I was getting to be a much larger version of Jeez. myself. But it was just, hey, man, we're going to be laughing. And, and for me, laughter has been one of the greatest tools to battle any challenge I've faced. And they were the ones who were there day in and day out making me laugh, helping me make other people laugh. And, and without that, I don't know where I would have been, but it would have been a much, much darker place. I see the power of laughter to be able to, to have that release because I think so often when you're going through something, you just carry this stress, you carry this weight, this heaviness in your chest and you could do nothing about it, let it build, you can cry to try to get it out. But for me, laughter, gets it out. It's one of those things where you got to deal with these emotions and to be able to laugh and have that release would just kept it from getting to be overwhelming. So PJ and Michael were amazing. And then like the friends I grew up with guys like Steve Myers and Danny Gutrich, who just, they're like you, they're people who, when I'm around them, I'm smiling. They're bringers of joy. They're sharers of joy. And I think those are the people when, like when I met you, I knew you're someone I have to have in my life because I'd be cheating myself not to allow myself to have that joy to, to when I know anytime I'm around you, we're going to be laughing. We're going to be, we're going to be having a good time. And we're, you know, very often, whether we're doing rock the rose or something, we're also going to be doing some good. And, and it's amazing when, when you meet those people, I think that's, that's the real currency in life that you want to be investing in are those people who make you your funniest, who make you your best, who make you feel like anything is possible, who make you, you know, excited to wake up, who put a smile on your face. Because when you think about it, 
why do you work? You know, you work hard to have money to, to care for people so you can have that feeling of security, that feeling of joy, that feeling of anything is possible. And if you have people who do that, they're worth their weight in gold. And as big as you are, you're very valuable, Matt Rogers. <laughs> you like that, Eli? You made Eli chuckle there. Dude, I love, I, I want to say this. I don't know what direction it's going to take, but but it's super important. I want, like the idea of, and of course you don't have to name any names, but incorporating the right people into your life, but also cutting out the wrong people in your life. Um, how do you know what's the right people and what's the wrong people and how do you cut the negativity out so you can move forward in your you know destiny and listen sometimes people will trigger something in you because there's something you need to handle right that that they're bringing up something where and it may not even be about them it's about something you got to figure out but i think you know in life you start to realize where there are people who are energy sucks you know who 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 do where you feel like I always feel like it's it's playing tennis, right? I'm throwing the ball, I'm hitting the ball over. I want someone who hits it back with even more so I can do it and we can build and build and build. And if every time you hit it, it's like hitting it into a wall of spaghetti where that ball just drops and you feel like, I just keep giving it in there. I, I, I think it's that it's, it's figuring it out, you know, but also being honest and saying, all right, you know, what am I missing in my life? And look, I am on a journey too. I, I'm about to have a very big birthday. Uh, I'm about to turn 50. And it's, you know, it's created a lot of reflection in my life saying, hey, you know, things are good, but there are a lot of areas where I am in dire need of improvement. And so I'm like committed to trying to improve myself. And part of that too is saying, I, I want to make sure I'm surrounding myself with people who add value to me and add value to my life, make my life better and, and get me headed in that direction. And I think, you know, we all, we all have to take a look in the mirror at times. And before you start saying, Hey, that person's, you know, the real problem here is saying, all right, right. Well, what's going on in me that, that this may be masking where, you know, you don't want to just keep saying, man, if, if it's all these other people, because at a certain point you got to figure out what the common denominator is right. and be honest with yourself. And then, you know, surround yourself with the people who inspire you and make you better and make you want to be the person you want to be. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you say you're about to turn 50 and you need improvement. Like, what do you need improvement on? You look freaking gorgeous. You want to take your shirt off? Show the female female viewers what, what we're I, dealing with? I'm working with? I mean, on getting it. No. It, did you just get a facial? Is, is, you're glowing. Are you pregnant? What's going on here? I'm, I'm uh, just a few months in. It's, I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, you realize also, hey, we got a finite time on this planet and you want to do everything you can to make sure you're in the position to do as much as you can, to enjoy as much as you can. But, you know, a lot of the work has really been being honest. Look, I'm, I'm never been married. I'm single. And there's a reason. And I'd love to say I just haven't met the right girl. But at a certain point, I, the, the problem with every failed relationship, the one common denominator has been me. And I'm like, I, I got to be honest. Like, I know I need some work in that area. And I'm really trying to figure out, you know, what, what are that's my a harsh thing to say to yourself me? though, dude, what do you mean uh, by that? Why do you think you like, that's a harsh thing to say to yourself. What's why well, do you cause, think? Cause you just also say like, I know I've met some amazing people in my life, right? Women, amazing women. And you know, for whatever reason, I, I haven't been able to make it work or I haven't, you know, at a certain point, I just want to be honest and say, it can't just be that I haven't met the right person. Maybe I'm just not putting something out there where I would attract the right person where I, you know, look, I'm, I'm just trying to say, I this is the long, hard look in the mirror to say, I, I know there are things I can improve on and, and not to just say, listen, I'm perfect. It's just going to take one woman to tie me down. 
know, it's, it's, I think that's one of the challenges with growth is to really be candid about, all right, what do you do well? And what do you, where can you improve? I know what the perfect woman for you is. I know you very well. So the perfect woman for you is someone that elevates you, someone that is very secure, someone that needs to make you laugh and laugh as much as you. And here's the common denominator. Are you ready? Yep. A woman that's on fire for the Lord. Boom. There it is. That could very well be. It very well could be. You're a good, like, honestly, dude, you're a good man. You are a good man. You have a good heart. You love people. That's why a lot of times you do so well because of the way you treat people. You said the way people feel when they're around you. And, uh, that's good, dude. There, hey, calling all women that meet those four criteria, dude. We got a freaking ten here for you by the name of Matt Eisman, and there you go. <laughs> and here's what I say too: like, I, I want to be together with someone for the rest of my life. I'm already fifty, so ladies, I've done most of the work. I'm uh, you don't got to spend a lot of time with me here, so just enjoy the ride while you can, you know. So dream wise, do you still want kids though too, huh? You, Cause yeah, I think you'd be a phenomenal I, I, dad. I, I want kids with the woman who I want to have kids with. Right. I, I don't think it's just, I, you know, I, I like, I don't think I could raise a kid on my own. I want someone where I'm like, Hey, we're building something. This is our foundation together. We're going to build each other up, build kids and build them up and hopefully, you know, create this great legacy. So you know, I know there's there's a lot of it where it's I, I I do believe finding the right person where you feel like this is the woman I would want to raise my children. It's gonna happen. Feel the same about me. It's gonna happen. How can people follow you, find you, talk to you, and then also like what's on the horizon? What are you most excited about for 2021 and beyond? Um, at Matt Eisman on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I spend too much time on there, but I, I am on there. Uh, I see all the comments. I don't always respond because social media can sometimes be a dream, but I'm on there. Um, uh, Ninja Warriors coming back season 13. Uh, the Olympics we're going to be doing, um, uh, hopefully it's going to happen and we'll be doing that morning show for the Peacock streaming service. And, uh, I had a game show pilot, but honestly, what I'm most excited about is what I don't know. It's the unknown in the future. I think that I, like, like you were saying, which was very kind, I do believe uh, the best is in front of me. And I, I'm, I know I'm working hard to be ready for it and to make the most of it. So I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to get back to stand up comedy when, when the world goes back to, to some semblance of normal. I'm excited to visit friends. Like, I, honestly, I have been, I, I live alone. I've been stir crazy. Like, I want to come out to Nashville. I want to see you and your family in person. Oh, yeah. If we can do the Rock the Roses. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to going back to being around people. I think this past year has, has you know, when you find the silver linings, this opportunity to slow down and reevaluate has been great. But, you know, really missing that face-to-face -face contact, that shared experience uh, my God, I missed that. I'm really looking forward to that again. I think for sure we're going to be at Ultimate Golf again. Ultimate Golf is for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Obviously, you heard Matt Eisman. Very near and dear to his heart is the Rheumatoid Arthritis Foundation. And then he also is just a huge advocate for my family and cystic fibrosis. We go every uh, October to the best resorts in America for five days, Helen Johnson, all the crew, Leah Bell at Ultimate Golf. And I, I think we're going to go there the this year. best charity event I've ever been to year in and year out. Just a, a magical time with some great people.
Is there a quote or a saying or a word of encouragement that you can end with to help people level up? What would it be? I'll give you the advice my dad gave me when I told my dad, the world-renowned physician who was a professor at the hospital where I was doing my training, when I told him I'm I'm thinking of leaving medicine to go try stand-up comedy, the first words out of his mouth were some of the best advice I've ever gotten. It was this, life is short, do what makes you happy. And if you can do that, man, I've found what makes me happy. And I am so grateful I did because I love, love, love what I do. It's a gift to get to do it. And if, if you can find that, or if you have an idea, man, go for it, find it, figure it out and, and take a shot because when you find that it's just magical. I love you, man. You're a good friend. Thanks for uh, coming on level up. And if you were inspired today, if you liked it, or if you love Matt Eisman, please have a like, subscribe, give a five-star rating if this friends. is on Apple Podcasts. What's that? Yeah, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Like, subscribe, share, five-star rating, leave a comment. All of this stuff helps build the algorithm and help us continue to arrive. By the way, fastest-growing podcast in 2021. It's still early, but we're doing the right things. Right. It's still early. I think once this Eisman episode drops, we're just going to go through the roof. I mean, you yeah, know what I mean? Huge. Look out. Love you, buddy. This has been another week of Level Up.